Welcome to Victory Points. I'm Becca Scott. And I'm Jake Michaels. This is a podcast about people who love tabletop games interviewing other people who love tabletop games about the tabletop games they love. This week, our guest is Gina DeVivo. Gina is a role-playing goddess, an incredibly talented <laughs> game master, an artist, a crafting expert. You can find her playing Luma on Geek & Sundry Cyberpunk RPG Callisto 6, live on Twitch on Wednesday nights with TBD RPG. Oh my gosh, my power. My power. And she's a frequent guest on our show, Game the Game, and all over the role-playing internet. Gina. Yes. Welcome. Thank you so much. Good save, Jake. See, the power part wasn't connected to the block part. That helps. Gina, hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, how did that, what'd you think of your intro? <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. It was disjointed like me. Oh, that's, yeah. What's disjointed about like The opposite of double-jointed? I am double jointed, actually. Show us. Well, <laughs> on an audio medium, this is perfect. I will describe it as you do it. <laughs> okay, so, so she's I can bend raised... my thumb all all the way back, and it just goes. Oh man, like you guys, it's touching to touch her forearm. Wrist. Oh my yes. god, that's wicked. Yeah, In I comparison, do that, no. there is six inches between my forearm and my thumb when <laughs> I try to do that. I know, that. I barely have to stretch. I'm just wiggling. Am I double jointed, or is this just perfect? Oh, that's too much? forward. Forward. Oh, yeah, no, you got to go backwards. Oh, yeah. Nope, can't do it. <laughs> you tried, and that's all that matters. Well, hope you all heard us struggling. But Gina was effortless when she did <laughs> back. Uh, and that's what you get through the audio medium. So, today, we're going to talk about all the things Gina's up to. Yeah. What she likes in a game. And a few of your favorite tabletop games. Kingdom Death. Yes. Carcassonne. Yes. And Illimat. Yes. Yeah. And Camp Grizzly, that's my particular favorite. Oh my gosh. Okay, well then you have to tell us all about Camp Grizzly as well. So let, let's do those things. But first, Perfect. I want to know, Gina, what were the first games you were obsessed with? Oh, obsessed with? Or when you, okay. what do you remember playing when you when were younger? When I was younger? a youngin'? Yeah. Okay, well, I think I was probably one of the very few kids in the entire world that actually likes Monopoly. No, I love Monopoly. Oh my gosh, thank you. Okay, so yeah, no, but there's always there's always that that immediate visceral, oh god, not Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> my family used to make me play for hours and I'm and I'm like That's I would I would be it. that kid that was like, yeah. No, you've still got ten dollars left. You have a ch you have a chance. Play me. And they're like, You have all of you have everything. You have all the hotels. You you literally own the bank. Can we just stop now? And I'm like, you have a chance. You can bargain with me. And I'm not, I'm and not the joke super is, strict. It's like capitalism, and they really don't have a chance. <laughs> they have no chance. Yeah, but I'm always in favor of, I don't mind if you're just kind of like, you want to trade me a thing? <laughs> and you're like, sure, why not? <laughs> you just like extending the pain. Oh, man. How long do you want yeah. the game to last? I mean, until everyone's done having fun, including myself. So <laughs> you just have more endurance than others. I think I just have more endurance as long as everyone is sort of loosey goosey about it. If everyone is sort of still having fun with it or making making homebrew rules about it or sort of just inventing new ways for it to go on and have fun and 
They're like, everyone, we get a bailout now. And you just, everyone gets what? more stuff. You had federal I, bailouts? That's amazing. I just, That's a great it's, home It's rule. way more fun to just sort of keep it going and invent and just stacking new ways to make it weird and fun and last longer. So to make Monopoly a role-playing game. Yeah, I, that's that. You're gonna learn that very fast about me. I <laughs> I do that most. I usually games I play are ones that I can add some sort of role play element. If if it's just a Western game, guess what? We're all Southern and we're all gonna talk like cowboys <laughs> and we're all gonna just. Or you can be whatever you and want. And I will it, shoot you. And I will. And I'm probably gonna bring fake mustaches to the group, <laughs> and we're just gonna have a fun time with it. Everybody in the old West had a mustache. Abs- everyone. That you is the best out. way to experience board games, though, is like to take on the role a little bit. Like, yeah. not you don't have to get too hokey with it if you're not into role playing, which some sure. people aren't. But like, yeah. as theater kids, I know we are. But like, getting into it and like embracing the theme is some of the best parts of it. Yeah, that that's generally my favorite part of how I tabletop. Some would say the best parts of life are when you go all in. This is true. Mm. With a fake mustache. With a fake mustache. Well. Is that Psalms? What is that? That's Psalms. <laughs> yes, I'm quoting Psalms. Cool. I've so memorized cool. it. Psalms 3264. 3264. Yeah, okay, great, great, great. Do you know what is yes. the best part of being on Callisto 6? Ooh, I mean... And maybe we should start with, what is Callisto 6? Well, Callisto 6 is a genre we're sort of inventing slash having fun in called um, uh, Superpunks, which is cyberpunk slash superheroes, so mixing the sort of dystopian depression sort of... Uh, everything is sad and horrible with with the hope and optimism of a superhero genre. Um, And all of us sort of obtained sort of powers and are now working to take down the corporations and bring hope to the city. What are Luma's powers? Oh, she's a shapeshifter. She's the lovable kindergarten teacher shapeshifter. (laughs) (laughs) Does she ever do it to get her point across while teaching? Oh, I'm sure she's turned into several sort of, because she also has gained the ability to turn into animals. She can just sort of change shape in general. Um, So there's definitely times when she's been like, these children are too rowdy. Hello, puppy. I'm just a puppy now. <laughs> so just she's, play with the puppy. <laughs> she's the teacher and the class pet. Exactly. Interesting. Oh. Mm. I like that. Does a teacher's salary support superheroing? No, but she's got several jobs. Got it. And, and luckily, she lives in a place called Raft City, which is sort of very, um, just, she's got a boat. The family owns it. it. You're good. All you need is a boat in Raft City? Yeah. Raft City. Raft. For rafting. Yeah. Does everyone live in Raft City? No, no, not everyone. A couple of people in, in the campaign do. This is um, a campaign that's uh, a live show on Twitch? It's a live show on Twitch. Um, uh, Eric Campbell is the GM, and we've got the lovely Amy Dallin, Sam DeLev, Elisa And it's on the Pearl. Geek and Sundry channel. It's on Geek and Sundry. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's fun. Okay, now back to my original question. What's yes. your favorite part? My favorite part. Okay, well... One, selfishly, I love getting dressed because we all do in costume. Um, so we dress as our characters. We just cosplay as ourselves. To that's sort of not get... selfishly. That's allowing yourself to fully inhibit the role. Yeah, absolutely. Inhibit. That's the wrong. Inhabit. Inhabit. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite of that. <laughs> yes, Don't yes. Don't laugh at me. <laughs> We're done here. <laughs> Jake? Uh, 
what makes uh, super punks like? Tell me a little yes. bit more about the difference between that and cyberpunk. Actually, what is well, cyberpunk for people who might not know? Cyberpunk is a you genre. Idiots. <laughs> cyberpunk is sort of a genre you recognize, like um, Blade Runner and and sort of film noir esque in a dystopian future mm-hmm. setting. Um, generally about sort of corporations crushing the little guy and or just complete um, monopolies of, of of everything in the world and it's sort where of, everyone gets a bailout uh, not so much not in this world <laughs> computer technology is like a big thing hackers lots of hacking lots of sort of um, a lot of 80s body music. modification with with uh, cybernetics and 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 sort of technology being uh, so normalized that it's everywhere and um so then super punk takes it by adding the superhero element to it and kind of the the grandeur of superhero stories right yeah yeah very very much so the the ultimate hope of anyone can be a hero anyone can sort of rise to the challenge to make your city and, and community a better place and which is the exact opposite spectrum of of Cyberpunk, it's very cyberpunk is very individualized and one person sort of going against the grain and, yeah. and, and that sort of thing. And this is sort of more taking a, a community in that world and forcing hope and community on them and, and everyone sort of rising to the occasion. Forcing hope and community <laughs> on <Yes>. you. <laughs> You know, lovingly. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, and then you are a very skillful craftsperson. I like to think so. How did you get that way? Um, <laughs> I think I was just born that way. My mom was a big crafter, and so that was like a big thing in our house. And I've always just loved it. I like, I'm not like, I, I like to be epic with small crafts. I'm like that's why I'm not. I I like the word artist, but I, but particularly with labeling myself, I like crafter because it invokes like pipe cleaners and hot glue and popsicle sticks and stuff. I I used to have a, a show called Minds and Crafts on Geek and Sundry yeah. that was all about sort of just inventing a craft between weeks and then uh, bringing it to everyone. And it was always sort of, I wanted it to be accessible. I like accessible crafts and seeing the level in which different people can approach that sort of, yeah, sure, mine might look very polished or, or something, but it can also look good when it isn't. I, I, I like crafts that sort of anyone can do their own way. They're accessible. Yeah. How did you come up with all the crafts for that show in particular? Because you had something new every single week. Every week. You Sometimes they went over because I would budget myself. I, I would make it at home and go, okay, this takes about you know, 20 minutes. I can do this in 20 minutes. I have an hour show. I can teach them and it'll be, it'll be great. It'll fit in one episode. And then usually those episodes lasted, lasted three episodes. Cause it just, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, right. I can make it in 20 minutes. <laughs> Add joking and riffing on top of that. And then yeah. just, I would never quite budget getting Amy Dallin and Steph Woodburn um, to sort of also make it in 20 minutes. Because <laughs> it wasn't about just the craft. It wasn't at all. It was it, about the friendship. It was hanging out and, and usually accidentally get not burning yourself with hot glue. <laughs> there was also the Minecraft component of that show. That's which kind true. of just, it seemed to work because the title worked. 
right? Well, yeah, but also in my, my, I mean, Minecraft in general is all about building. It's you know, it's creative freedom within a sort of eight bit world. You can make anything. People made music boxes, and it was a really wonder. I loved it. It was a beautiful way for the community to sort of sort of show us their crafts just within a specific server setting. Right, because at the end of each show, you'd go in and see what people have built within the Geek and Sundry server yes. to show you. Yes. Knowing we, you'd go find it. Absolutely. And we would uh, give them challenges. And like during Halloween, we were like, all right, everyone, you got to make a haunted house. This is just what you got to do. And so we would get to go through all of these scare haunted houses. And people would make these music boxes for them. So you'd have this music that you would go through. And then things would trigger and you'd pop out and there'd be fake levers that would kill you and it was just it was so silly and <laughs> wonderful wait um, i've never played minecraft can you die oh absolutely mm-hmm. all the time yeah. oh. over and over and over again right. do you just now respawn like in hell. the same place yeah <laughs> uh yeah you can and we were never quite that great at the controls and so people we had lovely 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 community members that would help us get to places and teleport us to the correct location <laughs> hey that's a lot you know it's a lot it it's was a lot, lot to be able to walk we were and just too excited i have trouble with a map in real life so a, yeah. a, a game map is just yeah. another element removed from um yeah and the it, fact the directions are hard it's true and, and keyboard gaming was sort of never my like forte i'm not quite good at that I don't know the like. What are you good at? Up, down, left, right, but it's like W A S W S. I don't know. I don't even know it. What is it? You have a laptop. Q W E R. On yours? You're not using Q W E R for your up, down, left, right, are you? Yeah. You what? use these four keys? You don't use these four keys? Well. We got to get like a W-A-S-D. camera on your hand for Twitch streaming. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't game like that either. You don't game It's W-A-S-D. confusing for my hands. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite video game to play? That's not what this show is about, but that's what I want to talk about. At this particular moment, oh, I I love co-op games. You know this about me. I'm a, I'm a ride or die for co-op games. So it's generally what I like to do. I'm playing a lot of Towerfall. Um I just played this amazing indie game called Pode, P-O-D-E. It's the most sweet, romantic, lovely game. It is about a falling star who uh, uh, falls to a planet, and then a, a adorable little like lava rock falls in love with the the falling star, and they look and see that there's the tallest mountain on the planet, and they work together to sort of bring the star back up to the sky. And it's just so cool. lovely. You have to, to work together, you have to hold hands. Oh my goodness. That's too cute. It's too cute. And it's just full of beautiful. It's a puzzle uh, game? It's a puzzle game. Cool. So it's really relaxing. And the star's uh, power is to make everything bloom. So you have all these beautiful succulents and, and alien f- like plantation stuff, or like plants and, and things grow as your powers sort of interact with them. And the. the uh, lava rocks uh, ignites sort of beautiful crystals and and all that stuff. So it's just succulents and crystals throughout this beautiful oh my game. God, that's all I want in my home. <laughs> it's gorgeous. <laughs> it's perfect for decorating. Exactly. It was succulents such inspiration. And <laughs> uh, that kind of reminds me of a little indie game called Chariot that's Ooh. from um, like eight years ago, and uh, a brother and sister are are 
in this side scroller helping bring their father's um, casket back home. He was the king, and they have to give it a proper burial. But his ghost is following you around, like, make sure you're careful with that thing. <laughs> well, that's pretty. And it's a great. puzzle game, and they they one of them pulls and one of them pushes the the chariot, which sure. is a casket, and then you have to like use it in interesting ways in order to get across different. Sure, like make it a level. bridge yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Swing from one end and nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> well, let's talk about you love co-op games, and there's an interesting one that was on your list of games you enjoy, which is Kingdom Death Monster. <laughs> yes. And Kingdom uh, Death colon Monster. Yeah. And have Kingdom you ever played it? I have not. I've heard of this game from my friend who was obsessed with the Kickstarter when it was yes. like just getting geared up, and he talked about it immensely yeah uh, i i just want to talk about uh quickly that kingdom death monster 1.5 is the they put out a second run on kickstarter and they asked for they had a goal of a hundred thousand dollars and they made 12.3 million dollars yeah, kdm is popular yeah uh and this is a cooperative campaign game for one to four players but ideally four yeah and uh, it seems to me sort of like D&D on rails. Very much. Um, it's another game you can sort of add as much RP to as you want, and we very much do. So it is a game in which you are a civilization in a world of absolute horror. Just there are dead bodies everywhere, horrifying monsters that are just the most grotesque human anatomy mixed with animals, mixed with just... It is... Ugh. It's pretty grotesque, and... It's wonderful. Um, <laughs> the mini- the miniatures are insanely cool. Um, and they're huge, too. Um, and they're really, really cool. So basically, you're a civilization, and you start out, and you start out with nothing. You were just, just naked babies running from <laughs> monsters and trying to collect some resources, and you have to get used to dying Horribly, there are so oh, no like, constantly. You are shuffling through generations of people constantly. So, are you part of a lineage of yes, that? Yes, or you, you restart. You hope that you make enough babies that you have a line of people. And we we always like to sort of have a lot of fun with the naming conventions of you know the family like namesakes are really important. Um, Is making a baby a part of it? Absolutely, you have to roll to make babies and. And hope that your civilization just doesn't yeah. dwindle out by the time everyone gets killed, inevitably. <gasps> so um, what happens if you die and there was no babies for you to inhabit? Um, then inhabit. You... <laughs> <laughs> um, then you have to start a new uh, colony. <gasps> so you have to move on and... Lose all your equipment and all your power-ups you've gotten through playing? Unfortunately, yes. Whoa. Um, but you 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 get good. The campaign, from what I remember of it, is like you are pretty much trying to survive in this like is it semi post apocalyptic, but like the fantasy world kind of thing where demons just kind of took sure, over. Sure, yeah, like it's a like nightmare scape. A nightmare scape. Yeah, I would word. say because post apocalyptic sort of semi implies some sort of civilization. And right. Any, it's not that at all. Okay. It's, it's you got tiny sections of ten people. Per community that is building out, um, 
and everything is just exactly a hellscape. And you have to go on these, you sort of send your particular adventurers out to collect resources and kill the monsters. Um, and you send them out as, and some of them are, when you're first starting, no one knows anything, no one has weapons, you just gotta go out there and pray for the best. And sometimes you win and then those people level up and you're probably gonna lose a lot of people in the beginning. But then once you sort of start, um, they get hard, you know, the monsters get yeah. harder and harder as you go. Um, and you can do as many level one monsters as you want to sort of build up um, your defenses and weaponry and, and resources for is your it, community. And is it episodic or is it like you just you just kind of pick up where you left off? Yeah, you. it's sort of a legacy game. You just pick up exactly where you left off and uh, everything's trying to kill you and you're just slowly building things to protect yourself. And it's really cool because the dice are and it's this beautiful huge book of information mm -hmm. and you'll just be on you know the, one of the campaigns to attack a monster and you'll roll and it'll be like a, a creature comes out of the depths and this happens and this happens and you have to roll and if you roll a one it's like and it disembowels you and eats your face. Oh no! <laughs> well, that seems weird. Why wouldn't it eat the the organs it just disemboweled? I mean, it, I'm why the, eat the face first? Uh, well, it disembowels you, then eats your face. Oh, okay. Um, and there's it just has a taste for faces, but loves to rip out the guts. Well, through yes, the no, it, it is gruesome. There's there's mm -hmm. a creature that you can face that looks into your soul and destroys every generation like future and past that you have ever possibly going to father or going to birth and destroys them and then destroys your testicles and then you stop existing. <laughs> like Sterilization it's just, through it just a look. full erases your entire lineage because you you failed and that creature just annihilates you. That's I'm telling the worst you, this way is a, this is a brutal game. You can't get attached, but also you get attached cuz you name them. Cuz you're <laughs> human. Yeah. yeah. So I have a question about brutal games though cuz th yeah. there's a thing about, about brutal games where it's just a lot of bad news. Yes. Frequently? Yes. Is uh, it funny? Yeah, is it That's <laughs> the thing. That's the thing. So this is you know me. I like happy things. I yes. like wholesome things. Yes. I like very very easygoing, happy games. Mm -hmm. KDM is not that at all. And so the way that um, the friends that I play with... Kitty um, M. K-D-M. -M. I get it the now. Kingdom Ugh. Death. You're so cool Monster. with the lingo. Thanks. Okay, continue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, the way that we sort of make it fun... We've definitely had game nights where it was not fun when just we've lost the entire civilization. I mean, fun in the sense of it was not happy. We've lost everyone and it was sort of just like, ah, oh, all of our beautiful legacy characters, their entire, everything is gone. And you just, you, you have a little moment to mourn. But for the most part, because it's so out there and so gruesome and so ridiculous, you sort of can treat it like a see horror movie you just kind of can laugh at how brutally Brutal. yeah sure your, like we had a character called john stamos <laughs> like full that's his full first name john stamos and so <laughs> it when you know when he gets when anything bad happens to john stamos no, you just, no. you just oh my god Don't let anything no. bad happen to john stamos exactly so you keep it fun by just being too into it 
and loving it too much and caring so much. And then when they inevitably die horribly, it's just this big epic event that you all have to commiserate around and and when when you triumph though oh boy does it feel amazing oh boy <laughs> oh, that sounds so cool now i don't ever want to play any other game <laughs> kid him how, how long's the campaign uh you can make it go as long as you want you can play one monster uh, or you can sit there for so, six hours and just order a bunch of food and play it so it's not really D D on rails it's just another role-playing game with a little bit more of a board uh, feel oh i mean definitely i don't imagine everyone role plays with it you just sort of have your characters and Got you it. have miniatures and you go around the board and you fight things and then you have this sort of down uh downstep when you've collected resources if you've successfully beaten a monster and collected the things um you could bring back it's you know it's hide and it's you know organs and stuff to craft with stuff to craft with yeah and you get and those are all on cards they're all on cards oh so satisfying see this is what i wish D&D had, which it can have. There are companies that make cards for D&D. Yes. Uh, but I just, I love components I can feel in my hands. And that's the, what was hard for me to to get used to in getting into role-playing games. Yeah. Well, then so you probably love things. this game. I'm so excited. <laughs> There's a lot of tokens, a lot of, because you can have like bleeding tokens and evasion tokens and speed tokens. There's, there's a lot of parts <laughs> And giant figures. And giant figures that I imagine, I've looked at some of the paintings that people have done for the miniatures. They're the, gorgeously insane I, and I really don't really care about miniatures most of the time, but I will say these are amazing. They're they are so cool and detailed. Creepy. Yeah. Super creepy. Check There's them a out giant like meatball with like spider legs. Ooh. And it's the giant bird thing's really giant cool. Bird. The yeah. giant bird thing is the thing that erases your generation. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh-oh. Oh. Yeah, I'm really enjoying looking at the photos of these minis. I am going to shout out two other games with minis that I love. <gasps> yes, go for it. Court of the Dead, Mourner's Call. That's Ooh. the op that just put that one out this year. This year? Last year. And, uh, and then uh, Cthulhu Wars. Which, of course, uh, is Fantasy Flight, and we're going to cover on Game the Game soon. Ooh. Yeah, and uh, that's that's a classic that has very, very creepy, creepy miniatures. But they already nice. come in colorful plastic, so they don't need oh. the painting. So if you don't go with painting, then you could still tell who's, who's, who's who mini belongs to whom. Yes. Uh, yeah. Just want to shout sense. those out since we're talking about great minis. Nice. All right. We have to take... A quick break for a word from our sponsors, and then we'll be back to talk about some other games with Gina DeVivo. Hi, welcome back to Victory Points. We're here with Gina DeVivo, who is teaching us all about her favorite games. Yep, they're usually co-ops. Hi, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now, another game you love is Camp Grizzly. This is a semi-cooperative horror game. You like horror genre as well. Um, I, I just happen to, they tend to lead really well to making fun with it, um, because the, the story is already really much there. Um, so Camp Grizzly is a game, that, and, and it is definitely co-op, but there are definitely elements where you don't have to be that kind to your fellow, um, members. So Camp Grizzly is an amazing game that was kickstarted that is basically a 
70s slasher movie in a board game. So you're all camp counselors at a summer camp and a serial killer named Otis busts in and like throws one of your fellow uh, counselors' heads in the fire and then that's where the game begins. You have to like run away from this slasher. Why did he come in and yell, my name is Otis? (laughs) Well, I I don't, well, you sort of know his name is Otis because of the cards. Got it. Um, But he's Otis. he's a giant serial killer, sort of um, Michael Myers-esque, Jason character with a teddy bear mask. Sort of this grotesque figure who just goes around and tries to kill everyone in the in the camp. And you have to sneak around and find um there are a bunch of different endings and you have to go and try to find like the keys to the car and the gas or the keys to the boat or the the radio tower batteries and, and things like that to sort of find which ending of the horror movie you get. Um, and along the way, you could get killed and you sort of are bleeding out and and that affects your speed throughout the game. And you can collect campers along the way. And sometimes you can use those campers as meat shields. Uh-oh. Yeah. There's one kid called Lunchbox and his entire function is being a meat shield. It's one. It's so sad, but wonderful. And the other kids can help you. Like there's a kid who was just like that creepy kid who doesn't shower or has a knife for some reason and you're like what the heck kid (laughs) but also thank you protect me and they'll like help you if you know Otis strikes your cabin and you get to be like my kid has a knife I get to have more dice when I have to fight him and if you don't have a weapon you can't fight Otis he just hits you and you have to run away um, in a panic and you're horrified and your life total goes down and your life total goes down and his body count goes up Uh and if you roll um uh, survival cards sometimes cameos will get put on the board so they'll be like that creepy uh, guy who's been shouting about the end of the world will start walking around your cabin and Otis will inevitably go to kill him first rather than you but to the get body that body c- count c- mm. to get the body count but it's that it's those cameos that are just in the movie for five seconds to get murdered um <laughs> And they're all very funny. There's a sheriff. There's you, you know, the head camp counselor. And if they catch you, if they catch you, they do bad things to you. Like they'll be like, "Get back into bed, camper," and they'll steal the keys that you had, or you know, things like that. But counselor, there's a murderer trying to kill me. Oh yeah, funny, very funny. No, yeah, like- but really. <laughs> and I just—it's so I just hard being a it. kid. No one believes you. It's it's really hard being a kid. Now Otis is generated by the game. All the players are camp counselors. Yes. So um, no one plays Otis. No one in particular plays Otis, but you sort of can trade who moves Otis. It, it it's, so it's it's just whoever. It, it's never at random, really. It's yeah, sort of whoever's the closest to Otis he goes, when he strikes. You. That's who's coming to there. That's who's going towards them. But when it's semi-cooperative, that yes. means that can imply that you don't necessarily so, have to all succeed together. You don't <laughs> have to succeed together. So if you are all at the final, you're all at the boat, and you're gonna escape on this boat ending. Um, you've got the keys. You've got the battery. And most of you are at the boat, and Uh-oh. some of you are still like lost in the woods or on the other side of camp, and Otis is on the board because sometimes Otis can leave the board. If you've successfully hit him, he disappears for a bit. Um, <laughs> That's great. And That's so correct. people That's can be on works. the other side of the board, 
and you can choose to leave without them. Um, you can abandon them at the camp with Otis. Now here's the thing, though. You have to weigh the choices, because sometimes if you leave someone at the camp, the game doesn't end at the finale. So the finale happens. You, you get to play out the end, like the third act, basically, the oh. end of the third act. So you can all survive and escape and then still all get killed. So you, in the boat finale, you can either be, there's a couple of them. Um, sometimes you all are swimming, like the boat, Otis gets in the boat and you all have, you know, you bail out of the boat and you swim or whatever. If you don't succeed in these roles at the very end to get away from Otis in the final act, you're just the ending death scenes. And the people at, that you left at the camp, it'll say like, well, you got left at camp and everything was quiet and you made it to the dawn and the police showed up and you lived. Like you got you got left and everyone oh. who abandoned you didn't so win, when you know? the when the quote unquote finale happens, there's yeah. another there's phase another after that, phase which is where gaming. does Otis go between those two groups? Well, Otis will always follow the ending, um, and if you oh. so, Otis will always follow the ending. So if everyone survives the ending, then just it, those it, people win. It, just those people win, and okay. it'll be like, oh, well, uh, you no one, you you all escaped, and no one at the camp was ever heard from again. Oh, so you know, cool. like, oh, I got left, and I, oh, that means I'm uh. dead, you know. But but it's not always. If you get left, sometimes that's the best thing because then Otis doesn't um, stay in your camp and. He goes after everyone else. Oh, what a brilliant game. I love this, and I love this concept. And this yeah. is from the publisher Ameritrash Games. Yeah, it's great. Who made a game company based on mm -hmm. the title that encapsulates how Americans love to value theme over mechanics at times. Yes. That's kind of the Ameritrash philosophy. <laughs> philosophy. Yeah. But they've got expansions coming out sometime, I hope. Um, yeah, because this game came out originally in 2013. Yeah. So it says yeah. there are Time a couple on Board Game Geek that were all published in like 2014. So maybe. Ooh, read us those names. I love a good expansion name. Spin the Bottle. Yes, Spin Solid. the Bottle was an expansion. I don't know. I, I believe some of them were only for Kickstarter backers. Oh, jeez. Oh, you got to yeah. get in on the ground floor. It's true. Now, Gina, but, but I'm playing the role play is just fun. I, I always play a character called Kevin the Lifeguard. <laughs> and he's just he just wants everyone to get out safe. Come on, guys. I love that picture because he's like smiling and being charming in the mm -hmm. picture, but in the background you can see a kid struggling to not drown. <laughs> Basically. He's he gets a little distracted by all of the other uh players. He gets a lot of crushes. Oh, easily yeah. That would happen with Kevin. God, mm -hmm. he's got that beach blonde hair. Just just long enough to flow in the wind. Anyway, that's Kevin. <laughs> All right, Gina. Yes. These games and your style of play mm -hmm. seems to have a theme. Of course, role playing because yeah. you are a storyteller through and through. But the element of co-op is, yes. is it what is it about you that makes you <laughs> lean towards games that are that are less cutthroat, more yeah. about fr the friendship? The friendship of it. Um well, I've I've I think it's always stemmed from I don't like feeling particularly competitive because I know that I can get competitive and then it's sort of, for me, I don't like the way competitive feels in my body. It feels very anxiety driven and very, um, I get very anxious and yes. I and I can't, tr Ugh. I don't like not 
the feeling of not being able to trust the, my friends oh, and, and knowing that they're lying to me and that I have to lie to their face. That's my favorite. I know, I know. I'm just, I'm just sweet talking you. <laughs> you really are. <laughs> um, but I've never super, like I can definitely get into certain games that have that element when, when you add that sort of, no one's taking this seriously. Um, then I can get into it. But I've definitely been in at, to game nights when everyone's taking it very seriously. Sometimes people get very angry or or sort of competitive to a toxic level. Right. Kind of the tone of the table is what you're concerned the with? The tone of the table. It, it, yeah, more competitive games. There's more of a risk of if you don't know the gaming group you're with or, or something. Or, you know, there's too much... L- liquor has been involved in the game or, or you've been playing for six hours and people's tensions are just a little higher. Um, there's just a little more risk for, for my personal taste as a slightly empathic sort of, I feel the room very intensely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so there's just that element of stress that isn't my go-to. I will definitely do it and I'll usually have a good time, but there's always that risk of just, oh, this room just got uncomfortable. <laughs> um, I love that. But So if you want to moderate your table tone mm-hmm. and you have people at the table who are empaths, then the right kind of game is not just a co-op, but a storytelling-based, yeah. maybe semi-co-op. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and you know there are games like like Avalon and things where people are spies hidden amongst everyone and and things like that that can definitely go to the spectrum of oh boy yeah. everyone is lying and no one's every, oh everyone's kind of being a jerk to each other. Those games know. are particularly tough because they're not them. only are they lying yeah. about lying about your identity, but you're also pointing to another person yeah. and saying you are lying. <laughs> yes, exactly. But there, I've I've played in versions where it was the most fun and everyone was just being silly and yeah. everyone was just accusing everyone and it was madness and chaos and it was super fun and I've definitely had one where I was like, I can't tell if you're actually mad at me. <laughs> and, and then I start to question everything and then, and then you're just left with a weird feeling. Yeah, yeah so that's true. I, I tend to like when you know... There's just no way that's going to happen. It's pure. You have to work together and you're going to get stressed together and you have to work towards the problem. It's just my super punk genre, basically. (laughs) It's a a horrifying setting of, you know, pandemic or whatever. And and there's diseases running amok and you got to fight together to (laughs) eradicate the diseases. I love that kind of stuff. Oh, well, there you have it. Yes. if you, you can avoid all that pain and suffering of pointing fingers and accusing your friends if you just decide to suffer together. Suffer together. Exactly. Yeah. Suffer together, fail together, win together. All right. Oh, nice. Now, a couple more games I want to chat about before we yeah. go today. And one is my all-time like top five of games ever. Yes. Um, Carcassonne. Yes, which I played for the first time with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I immediately went out and bought the game at a con. <laughs> oh, amazing. So this is a tile-laying game. For those that don't know, this classic, I believe it's won a Spiel de Jar. If it hasn't, I'm saying it has. <laughs> because it should. Uh, there are many expansions, but Carcassonne is a tile-laying game for two to five players, and all you do on your turn is you grab a tile that from one of the face-down piles, and you add it to the collective map that everyone's creating together. Exactly. So almost a co-op. <laughs> yeah. But you're definitely working for yourself. Yeah. Um, I I loved it so much. It was so 
relaxing. It was it was like putting a puzzle together. Yes. Um, it almost feels we, cooperative, even though it's not. Exactly. Yeah. It, it depends it, who you play with, but yeah, <laughs> it, it, exactly. <laughs> Very much. But even in a competitive setting, it is so relaxing. It doesn't ever feel like. I think because you can you can screw each other over, but that's not that won't necessarily help you in the long run because then you're wasting your own tile. And and so it's it's more of a you just rely on yourself and you build a beautiful map together and sometimes you can work together and like that time and uh, that we played and someone made like this beautiful heart city. <gasps> and it was yeah. just this city of love. <laughs> And and we in that moment, like no one cared about their own towns. They were just like, "Can we just stop and look at this beautiful town of love?" You yes. know, if you're ever wondering if you're an empath, just notice <laughs> the shape of the walls of this fortified city. Yeah. <laughs> um, again, for people who haven't played, so there, it's it's very simple. Aside from just laying down your one tile each turn, you can place your meeples on the tile you just laid yes. in multiple formats. If there is a little piece of city on your tile. You have to line it up with other pieces of city or or uh, up against edges of the map that match. And uh, you'll earn points by placing a meeple in that city that is called a knight. And then when those city walls are all completed, you'll get your knight back and you'll immediately gain points. Um, two points for each tile that is part of that city. Or more if they have bonuses on them. And uh, then you could be a highwayman if you're on a road and a road is finished and you get your meeple back. When or there's... a mope if you're a pope. A mope? Yeah. A mope. Remember? You call it a mope? We, yeah, I like to call it a mope because it's that meeples. Particular so one, it's a yeah. it's a mope, not a pope. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and of course, the mope will <laughs> gain points in his monastery mm -hmm. if he or she is surrounded by, uh, if that tile is encapsulated by eight other tiles that have been placed, then, then you, you've finished a monastery. And it's such a lovely little game. It's so lovely. Of you earning just build three points gardens and buildings and buildings and it's oh. relaxing. It's a lot like tiny towns in that way. Yeah. Different sort of piece, yes. game pieces, but together. It's, you're slowly everyone's building their own town, but you're not you're just kind of doing your own thing and building a town for yourself and by the end you're like, All right, who built the best town? And not so much like ha ha Yeah. Ha ha I built a better town. It's, it's well unless well, you, you get the farmers involved, you know what I mean? <laughs> both tiny towns and Carcassonne do that where they both have very simple rules. So the rule books for getting into those games are quite basic. But then the strategy is actually quite kinda endless because of the combination yeah. of options. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Every game is just gonna be kinda different. Yeah. Yeah. Although uh, Genre-wise, they're very different. Yes, but but, but thematically and and sort of the feel, they're similar. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, Tiny Towns is uh, essentially not exactly, but it's in it kind of feels like a roll and write game because mm. you could play completely individually, yeah. yes, or you can play side by side with other players, yes. Uh, as we did on May yeah. 10th, there's a, a Twitch VOD of Tiny Towns, which if you buy the game, you could play along with me. Anyway, mm -hmm. I don't know why I'm talking about that. Happy Hammer's Day. Because yeah. that's relevant. Oh, well, you know, okay. You were selling it so good, and then you're just like, well, I don't know why I'm mentioning <laughs> this felt, completely relevant topic. self-indulgent, that's why. It's your that's podcast. Oh, did you notice how we both got very low for you? Your face Thank is on you. the logo of this show. Is it my face or is it some redheaded woman? You're right. We could replace it with <laughs> Misandra for some reason. <laughs> Anything else you love about Carcassonne? <sighs> the f it's just really the feeling. The feeling of a game is sort of what draws me in the most. Um, if if it's gonna 
yeah, just the, the mood of the game is really impactful in what makes me like or, or, or play it a bunch. It's always a good sign when someone comes on the show, plays a game, and then immediately goes out and buys it. <laughs> immediately. Yeah. yeah. And one final game we should mention is Illimat. Yes. Illimat was a game that was reverse engineered from a Decemberist <laughs> music video created by our friend Keith Baker, and uh, which is Together Studios is the publisher, and... The Decemberists, the band, made this music video, and people were playing with a box and a sheet of fabric. Yeah, and uh, they they went to Keith Baker and they said, "Can you, can you make a game that is whatever we're doing in the background of this music video?" <laughs> and he did, working within those constraints. Yeah. yeah. So tell us more about this game and why you like it. Um, okay, so when I first, um, um, I believe Amy Dallin was the person that was like. I just got this game, we're gonna play it. It was right after Gen Con, we were sitting in the airport and we opened it up and it was, it, it felt like opening a little magic box. Yeah. It, it was so beautiful yeah. and so sort of otherworldly in a way. Like I, I think- It has a tarot kind of feel. It has a very tarot card, yes, exactly. And I, I believe it was pitched to me, I'm not sure if this is true, but I believe they said that when they made the, the, the board game, they wanted it to feel like you'd found it in your grandmother's closet and many <laughs> of the pieces had been replaced and it was just sort of this magic game that no one had ever heard of and you just find it and you play it together. Yeah, like the Secret Society. A Secret Society had game, had it. Yes. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's this beautiful cloth and um, basically the idea is you're all farmers and um, you're just trying to harvest. You're just cards. trying to harvest your 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 crops for that um, sort of period of of summer solstice versus you know winter solstice and and spring and summer and and autumn and and the box itself is part of the board game and it goes on the cloth and sometimes it's just it's so beautiful because it's relaxing and it's math. Um, Unless you think it's like a resource gathering game, it's actually kind of like a very much. but it's like a trick playing game almost, very, right? It like is too. playing trick car, uh, card tricks, <laughs> not it, not card tricks like magic tricks. Uh, you, the cards definitely affect the game. <laughs> yes, uh, it's, yeah. a, it's a deck. It's a card system with like sort of playing cards. Uh, they mm -hmm. look like your sort of fifty two card set, um, um, and they're they act as the seeds that you can right. plant and sow and harvest. But if it's if the board, which is the box, is like winter, it'll say you cannot harvest during winter because the crops have not grown. Right. So if you have a perfect combo and you can get a bunch of points, too bad. It's winter and you can't harvest. <laughs> and that set so, of cards is just not going to help. Um, yeah. Let me jump in and describe it a little more. Yeah, yeah. So on, on the cloth, there are, of course, as you said, the four sides of the box represent the four seasons. On each side of the box, you're going to lay out three cards. And your goal is you also have cards in hand. On my turn, I can either lay down a card on top of an existing card, or I can look at a pile of cards that is out there and take it by playing a card that equals the current value. So if on, let's say, the spring side of the board, there's a three, if someone else had played a six on top of the three as their turn, because perhaps they have a nine in their hand and they're going to wait till it comes back around to them, take the nine, place it on top of the three and the six, and because three and six equals nine, you can take that whole pile and put it into your claimed cards, harvested cards, because yes. you farm 
armed all those. But if before it gets back around to that player, someone else has a nine, they can just steal it. They absolutely can. They can yeah. be like, oh, look at this beautiful crop right here. I'm just going to harvest that. Yeah. And some cards make you rotate the box so that yes. the seasons are facing different cards. And that's yeah, a great you... mechanic, too. Just move the box, but the cards all stay in the same place. Yeah, because that's that's the sort of trick and, and strategy you can start doing. So if you see someone has compiled a really big stack and they're going to get a pretty good score from that, you can be like, well... I have a face card, so like I have a queen. There's a queen on the board. If you place the queen, if two faces you collect, it will change to the season of that face card. So you, you can, can start that shit. Winner yeah. came. Exactly. So you can rotate the box, and then that person can't get that score. Mm-hmm. And and it's just all that. And if you clear out the whole field of crops, you get these tarot cards that you get to flip and they add more elements to the game, whether it's, oh, well, um, now uh, winter doesn't matter. You can harvest all the time mm-hmm. because you have this beautiful sort of uh, otherworldly God looking down on your crops that helps you. Oh, um, love that God. It, it, it's really <laughs> lovely. And then you get to collect these sort of really neat pieces. There's like a little silver speedboat and tooth and and all these really cool sort of tiny Monopoly pieces. Yeah, that yeah, sort of... they do remind me of Monopoly pieces. Sure. I think if you're the, you take the last card in a given yes. season area, then you can grab one of the Monopoly tokens and, and that counts as in-game points. turn one of the tarot cards and collect it, you get to, and everything gets you points. The more you collect, the more you get points and sometimes cards deduct you points. So you kind of go, oh, well, I, one of these cards gets me points, but the other one on the stack will deduct me points. Is it worth it? And there's just so much to think about during the game that you're kind of always strategizing and always, but it always feels really relaxing because you're just a bunch of farmers. It's a good gateway game too because it's not complex and it actually is playing cards for the most part. Yeah. So like a lot of people who are unfamiliar with games but know what a deck of cards looks like can transition into that pretty well. Yeah, it's a lot of different elements. Like the the matching up game is just like, oh, this is just like Uno and Go Fish. And, and the box, and that like and... The, how it all just is in one little unit is actually pretty nice and it lays out to become the whole board. Yeah, I think so. For me, this is this is a pretty okay game for me. <laughs> yeah, um, it's not my favorite because I think there's a lot of. I think in individual games I've played, I've been frustrated by the luck of what cards I had in my hand, or sure, well, I never had a chance to claim that goddess yeah. for my own. So uh, it, it, sometimes a game that's heavy in luck is not necessarily high on my list. But Got I it. do like that it is compact. It's a great one, great gateway game, as you mentioned. This is something I give as a gift to family members that maybe are not huge into super complex games. Yeah, and it's it's just you could play it in a line very easily, and it's, it plays in about thirty minutes or less, which is yeah. always nice to have those games when that's the game you need in that time frame. Exactly. And that's yeah. why I don't mind that it's luck because you can get through a game really quickly. Mm-hmm. So you right. get to play usually about three rounds of it. So there's usually a chance that you win at least one of the times because it is a little luck based and strategy. But it's like it's like magic cards. Sometimes you don't get a good hand and it's not worth it to mulligan. Oh, oh don't get me started. <laughs> It's a whole other podcast going on in my brain I all know. the time. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, Gina, it's yeah. been such a pleasure to talk to you today. It's been very fun. Is there anything you'd like to tell our listeners about that they should check out of yours or that you're just excited about in your own life of something you're doing soon? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, my podcast, uh, 
Champions of the Earth, which is our kids with powers fighting the evils of the universe, um, just came back. Um, Whoa, where's this? Uh, uh, just all, where all podcasts are, are found and distributed. I, mean, I know what? the answer to that question. Are you doing it independently? Um, no, uh, it, it's uh, our good friends Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing and Amanda Powers and, 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 and it's all of the wonderful people that we've seen at GNS a, a handful of times. Um, but they, they are sort of, they homebrewed this, or Colin Kelly homebrewed this game and we're sort of the beta test podcast. So we, we play the campaign and then occasionally we check in and we go, all right, beta test interviews. Like, what's been working for you? What's not so great? Like, how, how do you want to improve it? How do you like in the game sheet? Um, and then we're sort of restructuring the, the system as we go and, and playing in it and, and, and seeing how everything plays out while also saving the universe. <laughs> awesome. Give us the name one more time. Champions of the Earth. Make sure you go check it out. Jake, what have you been into lately? Um, I've been to a lot of things, but I do want to recommend a board game that I tried for the first time. It was shown to me by a previous guest of ours. Uh, this game is called Nyctophobia. Nope. Ooh, what's that? <laughs> Uh, Ivan uh, Van Norman showed this to me a, about a week ago, but it's a game where uh, three to four players, I believe, are um, trying to survive in the woods, mm. and there is a killer or vampire, depending on the edition you yes. play, in the woods with you. But the key is, is the people who are trying to survive are wearing glasses where they cannot see the board. The board, though, what? is tactile, and you can feel it. It is a game that essentially is, uh, what would it be like to, I think part of the inspiration for it is, what is a game that makes sense for a blind person to be able yeah. to play, oh, or yeah. puts players into that feeling? Um, honestly, my feeling was extreme frustration, because <laughs> I rely very heavily on my vision, and having that taken away, I was like, I don't know. This feels like a pointy thing. Every, they, all, they all feel like pointy things to me. That feels. Um, that sounds really cool. But it's it just, very interesting. It, it develops a new skill. Yes. For yeah. us sighted people that take for granted our sight all the time. And yeah. playing with someone like Ivan Van Norman, who, by the way, the the other player who Ivan played is yes. the killer and therefore is moving. And they're 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 limited to a number of rules, much like Otis is, and they have to move to the closest person. But they have cards they can play to change their actions. Sure. But Ivan's particularly good at it, where um, that person also has to guide your hand to the piece in, on your turn and he oh. does that and he does that honestly and safely sure. but when you are close to the killer he'll make a noise near you oh. and then when he hits you he'll just go <gasps> and grab <gasps> you and he freaks you out every time so he's Got very me. good at tension and so Ooh. that's that's kind of half the game is I've playing with the tension. tension okay <laughs> no i think maybe I, I was playing in the middle of a busy con floor oh no and oh. there was a lot of stimuli and i didn't know i was playing with um someone from uh Pandasaurus, I believe, that made the game. And uh, I I think it was the wrong setting to really set the mood yeah, of the Not like the right the table tone. Silence mm, table tone. sounds like a good way to play that. Yes. A little bit, or, or eerie music, music even. Eerie, oh. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, highly recommend you at least try it out. Like, I, I don't know if I would play it a lot and keep replaying it, but I played it once and I'm, like, very fascinated. And the person playing the the, the the evil creature in the woods can see they everything. They can see, so they know everything. <gasps> um, but so they are limited in their movement. They just kind of can only trust. go the closest. It's great. It's really good. We played for a long time, dude. We played like for almost an hour, which is a weird t thing to be completely blind in, you know, in a room yeah. where everybody else can see. 
Wow. How did you, you get called away from again? the killer? Oh, Nyctophobia. Nyctophobia. We died okay. in like, we were like two turns away from getting away from the getaway car. We were really close. But the thing is, is we we don't know where the tree line is yeah. and we're trying to count how many spaces we went back and we were like just one tree line away. It was oh, wonderful. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. Oh, you gotta have you that mental so map. Close. Well, um, I just want to shout out a game I enjoyed this week, which is Dungeon Academy. This is from oh, the yeah. op. We played it on Game the Game, and uh, it is a roll and write game, kind of. Everybody is um, being timed to draw out which way they would go through a dungeon. The dungeon is made up of a series of dice, and you're all looking at the same dice as they're revealed simultaneously, and you have to draw lines on your sheet of paper, and uh, the sooner you get out, the sooner you grab the first place token or the second place token, and um, you get extra bonuses for getting out quicker. Wow. And uh, if if you if you tried to fight a monster and you didn't have enough health left to fight that monster, you die and you get no points for that level. <laughs> it's very fun, very simple, very cute. Also good for a line. Yeah. You know, a, whether or not a game is good in a line is a big mm. factor for me. This yeah. this is very true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a solid game too because um, you are forced to do it quickly. The whole timer element doesn't let you think too hard about the process. Uh, the grid is to, it's four by four dice, so you have like a map for you already, and then you have to encounter monsters and or potions along the way. Yeah, it's Ooh. excellent. Highly recommend, from the op. And one shout out to a great app. Don't know who makes it. It's uh, Heads Up, I think everybody knows this, that's yeah. ever been to Disneyland. Ellen DeGeneres' game. Really? Or maybe she, she did some branding on it? Uh, <laughs> I, I believe she took it to a person to make. You're I think kidding it was her me. game. I believe so. It is a version of like charades or another just party game at home, like parlor game. But it is an app that uh, if you are the one guessing clues, people are shouting at you, you will hold a phone up to your head and it will say something or pe- and people will try and get you to say that thing. It's great for the lines at Disneyland. And I went to Disneyland yesterday, which is why I'm thinking about it. It also records the people telling you the the, the, the questions. Some of the funniest videos of all time oh, it's come very, from people acting silly. out different animals, skiing or, you know, <laughs> doing different things. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all the time we have for today on Victory Points, friends. Make sure you check back next week and make sure you tell your friends. Check us out. And please like, subscribe, rate, review. Okay, bye. 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 <laughs>